All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Even while we feel like the country's on pause, make no mistake, 2020 is still an election year and hackers are waiting at the gates or actually at the polls, according to a new film. A new documentary, Digging into Election Security, is the focus of today's edition of Protect the Vote, all of its year-long series looking at ways to ensure that on Election Day, everyone eligible to vote in this country can make his, her, or their choice. What's your choice? What's your choice? The thing is, the voting machines need to work, and it appears that they need to be protected as well. HBO's new documentary, Kill Chain, The Cyber War on America's Elections, explores the fragility of the American voting system. Following cybersecurity expert and computer hacker Hari Hertzi through a 60-second hacking demonstrations, an eBay voting machine buy, and elections from Florida to Georgia, Kill Chain explores how our complex state-by-state voting system manages to leave so much room for error. Covering voting setbacks from Ohio to Ukraine, Kill Chain shows how vulnerable our votes are to manipulation. Kill Chain, the cyber war on America's elections, will premiere tomorrow, March 26th at 9 p.m. on HBO and HBO Go and on demand Friday, March 27th. Kill Chain is directed by Sarah Teal, Simon Ardizone, I hope I got that right, and Russell Michaels. Sarah Teal's with me today, as well as Hari Hertzstee. Sarah and Hari, welcome to all of it. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. So, Sarah, Kill Chain's a follow-up to your documentary from 2006, Hacking Democracy. Do you, do you think the rise of hacking in elections has gotten worse since 26, 2006, or are we just more aware of it now? Um, no, it's, it's gotten worse. I think in 2005, 2006, not even Hari could have anticipated mm-hmm. that it would be a foreign state that would hack into our system. Um, Also, since then, you know, everything to do with elections has gone online. So how we register to vote, for instance, is online now, which it wasn't back in 2006. So the initial initial breach, the initial attack was on our registration rolls. And as Sue Halpern says in the film, if you prevent people from voting because you've changed Mm -hmm. their uh, registration, then you've you've hacked you've effectively hacked the vote. So, As so a, things are things are way more online than they used to be. Well, that's such an interesting thing in the film is there seems to be an answer, and it seems to be paper ballots. <laughs> so, as you were yeah. researching and, and filming, Sarah, what is the resistance to paper ballots? Well, that, that, that's that's a very good question, and I I couldn't give you the answer. The new machines that have just been introduced at a cost of hundreds of millions of dollars in Georgia, um, you have gone to paper ballots, but they have put a barcode on the paper ballot so that you cannot see how you voted and it cannot be hand-counted, cannot have an audit. So um, even now that some people are finally going to paper ballots, they're not uh, making it auditable, which which is a problem. But paper ballots, yes, is the solution. 
Hari, when you think of Hari, when you think about the loopholes in our voting process in the United States, what are some of the loopholes that are the most obvious that allow for hacking? And then if you could share one or two you think are, aren't, aren't as obvious. Well, I, I think the one thing which is a, uh, a systemic problem in the United States, uh, even with the paper ballots, because paper ballots, paper as, as an evidence, as every evidence, regardless of whether you look IRS or, or in any kind of investigation, evidence has only value if you can take a look at the evidence. And one thing what we found in 2016 is how much uh, a new barriers has been enacted to uh, prevent you to take a look into the artifact, the, the, the paper ballot where the voter has marked their, their vote. Uh, it's a, in democracy, and the corners of democracy is a peaceful transition of power. Mm-hmm. And a peaceful transition of power is only possible if the losing parties accept the result as a fair and square and true representation of the vote so and the people's choice so in a sense elections are not about the winners they actually are more about the losing losers and the how you how the losing parties and support of losing proposals uh, have a can have a confidence from transparency and other means to understand and believe that uh, the result is fair and square. Winners are always accepting the result for obvious reasons. And the fact of the matter that in the United States, the winning party has a, 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 a access by legal means to stop recounts and audits mm-hmm. is just completely incomprehensible to me. But in the United States, is the, uh, there's a lot of things which are moving positively. One is uh, moving to paper ballot, and especially it has to be clear that w- what is needed is a handmarked paper ballot, not putting another computer between uh, the voter and the ballot. And then uh, starting a paradigm of mandatory risk-limiting audits, where every single race is audited uh, every single time, regardless of anybody needing the request for it. Uh, risk limit audits are also a wonderful way of restoring public trust because it's a very uh, quick process. It can be a public process where a, uh, all parties concerned, the general public, can be witnessing the process and can be witnessing how the verification that the election was producing the right result is conducted. Are you mentioned in the film that using paper ballots requires a lot of labor. How big an issue is this, in your opinion? Well, the paper ballots doesn't really have a, a doesn't require more labor than, than uh, using a a touchscreen kind of voting machine. We have to understand that every single country in the world has a different flavor of democracy. In the United States, even the states have a different uh, election codes. But if we when we look uh, for best practices. Uh, Two things which are, is a certain way of finding a crackpot. If you talk about election and starting, say it is easy. Nothing is easy in elections. This is the hardest problem from executive point of view. But the other thing is because the country X is doing this, can we do the same? No, we can't because we have a completely different favor of democracy. American elections are uniquely complex. Not uniquely as the only complex. Uh, there are a couple of other nations which have a very complex 
electoral system. But U.S. elections cannot be, only the small jurisdictions you can do a hand count. You actually, in the reasonable size uh, jurisdictions, always need to use a voting technology, so paper ballot scanners and etc. But you have to realize that every voting machine we have today, every central tabulator we have today, can be hacked. Every single similar device in the foreseeable future can be hacked. So you are in a situation where you have to be using technology, which you know you cannot fully trust. And hence, uh, the result, the, the, the solution is a risk-limiting audit, where in a public way you are convincing yourself and convincing the audience that the election was conducted fair and square. So that really is the key here. Uh, there are a lot of a, uh, a crazy proposals, if you may, uh, claims to, of technology how it can be uh, solving. Uh, no, blockchain is not a solution to anything here. It is blockchain is a solution looking for a problem. But more importantly here, a big, uh, when you look at a, uh, a small company saying we have solved the election problem online, the election problem is pretty much the same problem as a, a well, actually, the digital cash would be an easier problem. We don't have digital cash. We don't have a foreseeable uh, feature with when we have a, a truly working anonymous, a double-blind, uh, a digital cash. So if somebody claims they have solved the problem of elections, not only you are in line for the next Nobel Prize because you have <laughs> fundamentally found a new math, but also, you probably can make first trillion dollars by just implementing digital cash. So the elections probably is not going to be the first application for that kind of thing. Well, I do well, want to talk about. I do want to ask, ask about the business because that's a big part of the documentary, which is called "Kill Chain: The Cyber War on America's Elections." My guests, by the way, are Harry Hertzty and Sarah Teal. There's Sarah. You talk about. Uh, you introduce us to the three companies that create these systems: Dominion Voting Systems, Election Systems, and Software, and Heart InterCivic. Is it fair to say that they overpromise when it comes to security? They, they do overpromise, and and you, yeah. they cannot they cannot secure those machines. Um, and a lot of the machines that they um, have out there have been in use since you know 2002. They first came in. 2005 was when we made hacking democracy, and there's been very very little change since then. And the machines that Hari hacked in 2005 are still in use in 20 different states. So they promise security and they promise changes. But as Hari also points out in the film, they all three companies are using removable media, um, mm. memory cards uh, to to transport the votes from the machines to the central counter. And those things are hackable. That's what Hari hacked back in 20, 2005 and hacking democracy. And they're still hackable now. And many of them include remote access in the machine. So it's, they cannot, as Hari likes to say, everything is hackable. And these things are, have, are very, very hackable. At DEF CON, they were hacking into them within, within minutes. Yeah, DEF CON is a hacking convention for people who haven't seen the film. Hari, there is the scene in the film, which is chilling. It would, be, it would be funny if it weren't so chilling. You buy a voting machine off of eBay. Correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you, you, know, you ask the seller... 
You have five in your basement? Oh, great. Um, yes. So, Hart, where does someone like this person who's selling this fit into this this cybersecurity threat? How is he able to do this? Is he, you know, not a bad guy, but is he participating in the manipulation? Should someone no. be, should there be off oversight of the selling of these machines? So, first of all, we also bought voting machine with a meager price of zero dollars directly from a government surplus. And we actually paid a dollar in order to get the buyer's certificate. So we can prove we bought, we bought it for zero dollars. So the eBay is not the only place. We have a, a procured voting machines, I would say, about from two dozen different sources by now for, for DEFCON. Uh, the sellers are everywhere. But let's talk about a little bit of these uh, force the security theory and, and then the reality of voting machines. First of all, in the security, you, op- security by obscurity never works. It has been actually proven in theory wrong in 1850s with the physical locks. So we have accepted 150 years ago that security by obscurity is always failing. So you In a security research, you always start by assuming that your adversary has a full access to everything, uh, Mm. the computer, the software, the hardware, and everything. So people use it. If you are deciding something which is uh, secure, truly secure, you start by assumption that five minutes before you ship it, Remember, five minutes before you even sell it to your own customers, your adversary already has it and has a head start. Now, there's other aspect of this, which is that when you look at the voting machines, where they come from, so one of the best-selling voting machines that has been created and programmed in Serbia, not a very good, well-selling machine, that origin of that machine is in Brazil, another one is in Canada. When you look at a, uh, the, uh, some of the widely used systems, one of the widely used systems in the U.S. was also used in presidential elections a decade ago in France. One of the best-selling newcomers, their refer- the first reference customer was the state of Mongolia between Russia and China. And absolutely certain no machines ever got out of the hands of good people of Mongolia to any adversary. So the whole idea that you could use in, in any sense of real argument that a people cannot get access to these machines or that you should be uh, taking precautions that the adversaries won't have an access to the machine is just false sense of security and complete lack of understanding how actual real-world security has been working way before election machines. This is a how these things work. So the person who was selling was just doing electronics recycling. And the bad people have always have an access. Let's, let's as, as a, a representative of NSA say, that when, and I'm actually quoting in a movie what he said, which is that we are, you know, the DEF CON voting machine hacking village is only two and a half days a year. But if you don't understand that there's a similar room with massive funding and every single make and model ever made as a war room in Russia operating 24-7, 365 days a year, you're kidding yourself. That is absolutely, question is how many of those rooms and how many adversaries have those, not if they exist. 
So again, this is the eBay, and what we have been, we are allowing the good people to have access, and good people think and, and start to think about mitigation strategies. People who are on the other side of the law and other side of uh, who are the adversary, trust me, they have always had access. My guests are Hari Hursti and Sarah Teal. We're talking about the documentary Kill Chain, The Cyber War on America's Elections, which will be released on HBO tomorrow. Uh, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about various leaders in this country, Sarah, who are forward-thinking on this. You have a few senators in yeah. the film. Um, who are the leaders in U.S. politics, and who's getting in the way? Well, I, 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 I was very impressed, in fact, by... So in our film, we have um, Senator James Langford, who's a Republican, um, Senator Amy, Amy Klobuchar, um, Senator Wyden, and Senator Warner. And all four of them were incredibly concerned. And there has now been six bipartisan bills that have come up um, that uh, Amy Klobuchar and uh, James Langford did, the, I think, the best one, which is Secure um, Elections Act. And each time they have been killed, these bipartisan bills have been killed by the White House via Senator McConnell. Um, and you have to ask yourself why. It, it's, um, it, as, as Amy Klobuchar says, um, you have to imagine that something bad is happening because there is no reason that there shouldn't be a bipartisan, um, bipartisan bill that would come up that um, everybody says would pass uh, if it even was allowed to come up for a vote, um, that would help secure our elections. Um, so it's it's very frustrating, but they are still working on this. Amy Klobuchar and Ron Wyden just came up with a bill that would allow for mail-in ballots. Um, so they 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 haven't given up. Um, they're very persistent. I'm hoping that perhaps um, this film will help bring something to the floor that, that can be voted on. And Hari, we're in a particular moment right now. Is there anything about this moment with coronavirus and COVID-19 that would have an impact in terms of hackers' accessibility? Is there a way they could use it to their advantage, considering we are in an election year and in this incredibly difficult moment? It is good to understand how three different ways of psychological warfare and influence operations work. We have three different terms. We have a propaganda, misinformation, and disinformation. Uh, when we looked uh, 2016 in Europe, uh, the uh, bots we, which were pushing political messages, both in U.S. elections and in European elections, one thing what we found is that the same bots which were in social media active of pushing certain political messages were also used as secondary purpose to anti-vaccination. So mm. that's one thing which we, we found as a, as a fact. But the, the thing is, propaganda is for, for to convince you to accept an idea of whatever, whichever party is trying to push it. Misinformation is mainly used for discrediting and, and undermining things. The most dangerous of the three is disinformation. Disinformation mm -hmm. is a deliberately and surgically constructed messages which are meant to be distorting general publics and people's understanding of the reality to hamper and curtain 
and pluck their way of accepting and finding facts and, and in order to have a realistic uh, frame of mind and frame of information to put facts in the place and in action. When we look coronavirus, when we look all the actions, and it was published last week, how already uh, in Europe, uh, warning about uh, Russian disinformation and misinformation campaigns regarding coronavirus in order to actually impl- amplify the damage uh, was seen in 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 it's not the state-sponsored, but they are all Russian origin sources. That kind of disinformation is not specific to any single topic. Uh, and this is a self-amplifying vicious circle. When you stop being able to disseminate and understand and gather the facts and build a, a picture of reality in one topic, it's not topic-specific, it spreads to everything. So in that sense, all the misinformation, disinformation, propaganda campaigns, which are related to coronavirus, which are already before that was a, a um, related to anti-vaccination, that also amplifies and distorts everything else in our society, how people are able to uh, get the facts straight and build the picture. And whenever you don't get the picture straight uh, as a human nature, that is the place where conspiracy theories and, and all of that side of the world starts to raise its hand. So, so I, I, I'm really worried about mm. what is the aftermath and what is the damage in a psychological side uh, happening with, with everything happening right now in the information storm and discrediting and disinformation storm related to coronavirus. Take the time this weekend to watch the HBO documentary Kill Chain. My guests have been Sarah Teal and Harry Hursty. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.